podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, we're going all the way to Australia to introduce our guest. He'll join us in a moment, Tino Pesamenti. But I was mentioning to him before we got started that in my search for finding some really, really good television, because all the American TV series ended early, a couple episodes early because of the pandemic, I've discovered all sorts of interesting programs like Line of Duty, a UK police drama about what they call the anti-corruption unit. That's like internal affairs in the U.S. And it's so on the edge that even the police in the U.K. will not officially endorse the show. So they can't get like an official advisor. It has to be done unofficially. It's a really good show. Also from Australia, there's a show, a period piece taking place in Melbourne in the 1920s called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which I recommend to anybody, no matter where you live. It's just a really, really wonderful show. Tino Pesamente, our guest on the Paracast. They're fellow country people of yours. You say you like that show. Um, yes, I like those shows because of their, uh, I don't want to use the word simplicity, but it's uh, a show that does away with a lot of the, the drama that you see on TV nowadays. I correlate the same to researching the subject that we're about to talk about. You can do it two ways. You can get a story and try to bring it across to the populace. Now you can do it as it is with just the facts and as little sensationalism as, as, as you can, or you can go over the top. And I like that show because it is simplistic in a way, um, and it's about the actual subject and the people in the show rather than things that happen around and fireworks and uh, all the um, over-the-top stuff that we get today. It's a straight-ahead mystery story. and But you look at it in terms of simplicity. Imagine taking a famous detective story from the 30s and 40s, like a Richard Diamond or a Sam Spade, and having that person become a woman in the 1920s in Australia, and that's Miss Fisher. And that would have been very tough for her back in those days. And she manages to do it. I mean, it's really a good show. I recommend it. The things we're going to talk about today will be about UFOs very much because Tino Pesamente is prominent in those circles in Australia. But unfortunately, we have to talk a little bit about what's happening in the American UFO field. And I remember this goes back a couple of decades ago when the late Art Bell, he was still doing his original Coast to Coast, referred to the UFO field as toxic. Okay, And sometimes you see stuff like that. And we'll go back a little bit in time and then we'll cover the current situation. Then I would like our guests to talk about a little bit and Randall will have things to say. So there's an article from Newsweek from 2018. What if aliens met racists? MUFON resignations highlight internal divisions in UFO sightings organizations. And, of course, they recited the forced resignation of John Ventra. He was MUFON state director for Pennsylvania because he had posted lots of racist stuff online. Really, really wicked stuff. Or at least supposedly he 
disappeared, but he still appears to be active and apparently is still active with MUFON. I can't figure that out, but that's the story. Now, to preface this in terms of racist comments, we have Tucker Carlson, who has been very positive towards covering UFOs in recent years. His top writer, Blake Neff, was secretly posting racist and sexist material in online forum. He's gone, and Tucker Carlson has taken a fishing trip, which the way they do it over at Fox News, that's an enforced fishing trip. But let's get to the really nasty stuff that's going on here. And I thought of Jeffrey Epstein when I read about this. And this is an article also from Newsweek by the same writer. On July 3rd, Mutual UFO Network Executive Director Jan Harzan was arrested in Newport Beach, California, for allegedly soliciting sexual activity from a detective who was posing online as a 13-year-old girl. By the way, that's a fairly common way they do it to find child predators. In response, the UFO organization announced that Harzan would be permanently removed from his leadership position. Now, I do not care about his guilt or innocence in the sense of how it relates to the UFO field. If he is guilty, he should fry, or at least get a a severe sentence, but we accept the fact that a person is innocent until proven guilty in the U.S. But what they did is the board restored the previous director, instead of MUFON, David McDonald. What does David McDonald do? Well, he owns a flight school that also staged flights mile-high flights where people fly an airplane and do adult activities on the plane. And that's something we've mentioned on the Paracast before. So I don't know if they're going to look at the approach in terms of morality. I kind of think that's a strange way of doing it. I don't know whether Buffon has a future anymore after all this. What's your perception about the goings-on Tino and American ufology? Have you been following it? Some of it I have, and I look at it this way. When our group meets, we meet with the public once a month. We have public meetings, and sometimes you sit back, and while the the speakers are up there talking, sometimes they're not the the most liveliest of speakers, so you drift off into thought land. (laughs) One of the things that that amazes me is that regardless of which group you are with, whether it's MUFON or any other group, our group, it is a group of individuals that have come together with a common thing in mind, and that is the subject of UFOs. Now, amongst that group, like every other part of society, you will have your, if you've got a group, say, of 50 people, you'll have your alcoholic, the class clown, someone who doesn't care too much for women, someone who doesn't care too much for men. Um, You know, that's unfortunately human beings. And there's no filter that stops people from, entering groups and organisations like you can have a racist Boy Scout movement, someone in the Boy Scouts. You can have the priesthood where people don't do the right thing. Um, Wherever you look in society, we have these people um, that, I don't know, don't seem to have a filter, even if they've got their own ideas and their own ways. Now, if you want to go and organise a mile high club, all right, well, maybe you do that in your own way, but you certainly don't, you know, go public with it. I don't know. But 
I'm a, I'm a big believer that, and this gets me offside with a lot of people, that we as a planet are not ready for contact with other alien species. I, don't, I think we are far from ready. I think that we have to get our own act together before we can invite people to our home, this planet. Uh, and it would be wrong to do so when, first of all, there is no leader. Secondly, we are made up of fractions of fragmented religions, belief systems, cultures. Um, you know, so when they do come to visit us, they'll think, so what, what's your belief in this? And I'll tell them. Then they'll ask the person next to me, have a completely different story. So going back to things, organisations like, like MUFON, um, I don't know. Um, in our groups, we're all volunteers. We're, we're happy to get anyone to give us a hand. Um, more professional groups, of course, may be different. But, um, you know, what, what is that we are to present to these aliens? How are we going to present ourselves? Are we going to present ourselves as um, uh, we are one planet, but this colour is better than that colour? So they have no place in an organisation that represents humanity. We'll continue. You know, we got to do our break. Tino Pesamenti joining us this week with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Attention listeners interested in food supplies. If you've ever wanted to create an endless, crash-proof stockpile of survival food and do it with very little money, pay close attention. This could be a game changer. Because the cost-effective do-it-yourself secrets survival food companies won't tell you about are available. Learn all about them at foodshortageusa.com. Check this out. The economic disruption that's occurred in the last six months is going to have consequences big ones, especially when it comes to food, the availability of food, as well as the inevitable rising prices, which always get passed on to the consumer. The fact is, hyperinflation has huge implications for food and food prices. Smart listeners, you should begin bracing for impact. The good news, there's still time to learn how to get all your garden vegetables into your pantry, stored away, just in case. Learn how at foodshortageusa.com. That's foodshortageusa.com. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. 
Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're talking to Tino Pesamente, who's pointing out here an obvious problem that if we hope to make contact with people from other planets that maybe we should present a proper image of earth because the image of earth right now is none too pleasant not just because we have people doing immoral things not that's just because we have people murdering other people it is that we still think unlike the star trek universe of the 23rd century that People of different colors, different genders, alternative lifestyles are somehow to be shunned. And what kind of image do we present for aliens this way? So we're not ready for alien visitation, which may explain, you know, why there hasn't been real contact. I mean, people do have experiences that may indicate possible contact, but there's no mass contact because humans aren't even ready, and maybe they should look for a more intelligent species on our planet. What do you think? Well, yes, well, even in Star Trek, there was a, there's a, a line in the sand before an alien species will make contact with you, and that's, I think in that case, is you have to have warp drive as a measuring stick to say, okay, they should be ready by now. So we, we don't have that. So if they come here and, 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 and speak to us individually, they'll leave more confused than, than when they arrived. Uh, but don't get me wrong, I think that we are still living. 2020 seems to make a liar out of me, as it does a lot of people. But I still believe that we are living in the best possible time to be on this planet. And I had a lady confronted me about that. 
She said, oh, that's silly. I want to be taken off this planet. I want to go away. And I said, well, especially you as a, as a female, I said, just for being in this meeting, there was a time when we would be probably burnt to the stake because we're practicing sorcery and or, um, you know, we are, we are sort of um, going against the Bible or, um, you know, and, and as a woman, would you rather live in the 1500s or 1600s? Um, you go to university. Um, we've got everything going for us at the moment, everything. Sure, there are a few hiccups, especially um, um, you, you guys are experiencing quite a bit of that on the streets at the United States, in the United States at the moment. But just putting that aside for now, this is still the best time to live on this planet, I believe. But we are evolving, right? And we are exactly where we should be at this time of our evolution. It's funny with technology, you know, it makes you think more than it would say someone in the um, 1800s. Uh, people used to just generally get on with their lives the best way they could, and that was the end of it. The difference between people back then and, say, after the Industrial Revolution is that we are learning to think beyond our means, and that's great. But with it, you can get carried away, and we want to have things that are not possible yet, and we can get frustrated with that. Um, I would love to travel to a planet where there's peace, the Garden of Eden. Um, it's a wonderful place. And our mind says, if only they could develop an engine, they could. But at, the, at this time, it's not possible. And so we think, why am I stuck on this planet? You know, um, And that's unfortunate. But again, I think that we are still living in the best possible period that, that you know, compared to the rest of history that we've had on this planet. Um, but we need to be patient. And I think we need to... Um, sort of reunite and say, get back to, it's like a, like a sporting team that's going through a bad patch. You need to regroup, rethink ourselves and t take off in a, maybe a slightly different direction. Um, let's bring technology to everybody as fast as we can. Let's bring uh, medical cures. Um, there are medical cures and there are, med there are medicines out there that to help people, but some people can't afford it, but the cure is out there. But, you know, and that sounds ridiculous to me. Um, so I think we need to fix up all these things. And then slowly, we together, we can unite bit by bit, slowly, but, you know, slowly. And then say, get into a position, well, let's concentrate, instead of wars, let's concentrate on space exploration, where we all need to get together and work on projects together. And I think then we'll start seeing the humanity going into a slightly different direction, but one that would sort of um, fit in with um, where our minds want to be now. You know, I want to mention here, because of what you're saying, Tino, that the Star Trek legend has it that in post-apocalyptic Earth in the mid-21st century, a lone inventor invents warp drive. And that attracts, of course, the Vulcans by the warp signature. Now, yes. that's Star Trek. But we have to realize now that we do have scientists, real scientists, who have been working on some kind of warp drive system. So it's not so far away from fiction. Star Trek was predicting things starting in the 1960s that we adopted, of course, cellular phones, satellite phones, the 
iPad kind of came out of Star Trek Next Generation, but also 2001. And talking That's computers right. and all the other stuff. Not that they weren't envisioned in other science fiction concepts. I mean, the reason you have warp drive is not because it was a great invention to Gene Roddenberry and the people who created Star Trek. It was a way to get you to another planet more quickly to keep the action going. It was a plot device, not some kind of scientific presentation. I just hope we don't destroy ourselves further before we get things back together again. Randall, I'm sure you have a few comments to make before we talk to Tino about his background in UFO research. I just wanted to, uh, yeah, chime in there on on this, uh, like for both of you guys, because it seems like a lot of the time what we do is we tend to want to uh, place our expectations and map them onto the aliens and alien visitation. But it does technological advancement equate with societal maturity. That's I mean, there exactly are, right. Well, there are plenty of ethical issues in the Star Trek universe with advanced races, especially the Klingons and the Romulans. And the aliens coming here seem to think it's okay to abduct humans and experiment on us. And if the reports are to be believed, even impregnating uh, uh, you know, our females and taking their fetuses. So, I mean, really... Are they really that much more evolved on a moral level, or or are they just treating us like we would treat the wildlife? Well, you see, that's uh, a very interesting comment, because when we talk about aliens, we sort of talk about them as if they're one race. Now, <clears throat> there could be 5,000 different races of aliens, and each have developed differently. And although that we are technologically not as advanced as they are, and based on, on comments made by people that have been abducted and had contact, I think that we may be more spiritually advanced, in a sense, than they are. And that's what makes us intriguing to them. So, you know, you can, be, you can make one accidental discovery in the ground that would present you with a rock. And in the, with that rock, you can create some kind of energy or power. Take uranium, for example. With Tino and Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. 
Florida has reported more than 10,000 new confirmed coronavirus cases and 90 additional deaths in the past 24 hours. Governor Ron DeSantis says 30,000 vials of remdesivir are being shipped there. Our new case positivity has been has been relatively stable, probably a slight decline from two weeks ago. Health officials are sounding alarms about another wave of COVID-19 in the fall. Infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci says we aren't finished with the first wave. When you're having, you know, up to 70,000 new infections in certain areas of the country, that's something you need to focus on right now as opposed to looking ahead at what's going to happen in September or in October. He's also calling on local leaders to be as forceful as possible in getting people to wear masks. This is USA Radio News. The Supreme Court has sped up the process of one of their rulings that's going into effect. USA Radio's Kenneth Burns has details. The Supreme Court granted a request from the Manhattan District Attorney to expedite their ruling that rejected President Trump's claim of absolute immunity from a subpoena for eight years of tax returns. Under normal circumstances, a Supreme Court decision takes about a month to go into effect, but now that ruling becomes effective immediately. The court has allowed Trump's lawyers to challenge the subpoena on other grounds. They have until close to the end of the month to do so. For USA Radio News, I'm Kenneth Burns. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has announced her cancer has returned and she's undergoing chemotherapy once again. She said a recent scan has revealed some lesions on her liver, but she's getting better. She says she's not taking any time off and it won't affect her job on the Supreme Court. You're listening to USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. UFO researcher from Australia joining us and we're always happy to talk to people from other parts of the world to get a wider flavor of how this field is regarded and treated and I kind of think every time we've had these conversations UK and Australia and other places they seem to be more enlightened than we are here in the US you've just been complimented Tino well thank you very much uh- not that that's exactly true, but um, I'll take the compliment any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pick up where we uh, left off just prior to the break there. You were talking about, okay, so maybe we'll discover something like uranium that would give us some technological advantage. From there, you were going to say? Well, I was going to say that we may not be ready 
to use that product, though it's been discovered accidentally, we may not be responsible enough, especially if it's discovered during a, a period of war, because then the priorities change. How can I use this to benefit society? No, no. How can I use this to benefit our side in the war? And so, again, we take a slightly different path. Imagine you're on a road and every once in a while you get to splinters coming off that road, laneways coming off that road, four different directions. Every time you make a decision, you're slightly off your main direction. Then you make another one further up and it goes on and on and on and on. Finding uranium during the middle of the Cold War, all the research and development went into creating weapons. I wonder if the situation was different, whether we would have been able to use that energy for something safe and good. You know, we can do that now, I suppose, but we've already gone off on a tangent with uranium and, and most of the world hates it because of, you know, Raider right, Chernobyl, etc., things like that. So sometimes we make decisions because we've, we've found something. Like you can give a child a complicated toy. It's wonderful. It's got shining lights and bells, but the child doesn't really understand what that is. And in, in, the, in the end, you may find out there's not a toy after all, but something dangerous. So, you know, luck or even like other advanced species, what, what if instead of uranium, because uranium is just a rock, how they made energy out of that, you would never know. Because you look at it and you think, well, oh, that's no good, especially if you were in the 1700s and you dug up uranium. It's just a rock. You throw it away. What if someone on another planet, with a planet developed slightly differently, they're able to dig up crystals and to them, in the first 2,000 years of their existence, the crystal is just a very pretty rock that you can make rings out of. And what if um, 100 years or 300 years after that, they found out that that crystal, if um, manipulated a particular way, can create some kind of energy? So we don't know. Maybe there are rocks under our planet now waiting to be dug up that we can use to propel spaceships, maybe not to warp energy, but maybe something better or less than that. So sometimes things happen by accident and our minds aren't able to follow up on the repercussions. And other times we, we might have things in front of us that are very valuable, but we can't see it. Well, that is so true. And I, I think what you're saying there is that, you know, basically once the genie is out of the bottle, there's no putting it back in somebody is going to use it, whether they're mature or not. That's just the way that it goes. So maybe these aliens aren't so sophisticated or uh, evolved as we would like to think that they are. That's exactly what I was trying to say, because um, we measure advancement with the toys that we've got. And you may have a spiritual society that's far more advanced than they are, but you wouldn't know it from our perspective because we're looking at shiny objects, especially in this period that we're going through now, the shinier, flashier objects that you have in your house, the more advanced we are. Uh, and there'll be someone sitting on the hillside just one, looking over nature and saying, oh, how lucky I am. I've got all this in front of me. It's a strange measuring stick that we have to measure advancement. But, of course, one of the messages we constantly seem to get from the contactees is that we do need to take better care of the planet. Oh, we do. We do. But I think it's getting better because I've looked at some photos. I joined a group on Facebook, um, of history group, which shows you photographs of your city or town as it was, say, 100 years ago compared to today. 
although they're all black and white photos, you have to remember that. But it's much more pleasant. The suburbs, if you look at places like London and Liverpool, the suburbs are much better today than they were, say, 50, 60, 70 years ago. I think that we are starting to get a grip on that slowly. The world is still a very beautiful place. I think that um, sometimes I dare to say this, but the media makes things a lot worse than they are. The doom and gloom seems to make the headlines. The good stories don't. Yeah, like deforestation, very bad. But reforestation, you never talk about in schools. So the children leave those schools thinking only that we're destroying things and not fixing things. So there are balances out there. And I think that we need to be a little bit more open-minded than we are and look at things when they're presented to us. And we can make decisions as a society as to which direction we can go. Let me ask you here the main question, of course, is we're thinking about how we look to possible ETs visiting us. And the big question would be here is, obviously, if UFOs are extraterrestrial, they hold the cards. Nothing that we could possibly do would hasten the final revelation because the ball is in their court. They can decide whether or not to stay here. They can decide whether or not we're worth contacting on a more regular basis. But, of course, the conspiracy theories... And we'll get into more of this in our next segment. We have a couple of minutes before we have to break. The conspiracy theory has it that E.T. has already contacted governments, and they're all working together to make sure humanity is ready. So the question would be here, other than our tribal warfare and behavior and everything, can humanity in general accept a mass landing by beings from another planet? My answer to that is no. <laughs> Very simply, no. Without mentioning religions and that, we live in a society that if you say the wrong thing about a particular religion, it could cost you your life. To tell millions of people that life was created elsewhere, not only on this planet, is already going against some of the major religions of the world. Just, and I'm just putting religion as an example now. So you disenfranchise so many people just by mentioning that aliens have been created on another planet, another solar system somewhere. So that's why I believe we're still far from that. But I'm going to ask you here before we continue with this discussion. I think people want to know more about you, Tino. And like I said, we have about a minute to go before we break. What got you started chasing the flying saucers? A simple light in the sky. That's all that did it for me. I was driving with some friends. We saw a light coming towards us, and then it disappeared. But two of us think that the light went off into the horizon, and two of us think that it just blinked out. But it was fascinating. It came up really close and just disappeared. Nothing more than that. Very simple. However... The next morning, I rang the local airport to find out whether there was any planes in the area because there were curfews back in those days. And they said, no, there wasn't any planes. So in making that phone call, I became a researcher <laughs> and it's stuck ever since. So I wasn't I haven't had any particularly spectacular UFO sightings, but other things in my life 
I think, led me to have an open mind, a curious mind. And um, so I think everything is worth researching. Everything is possible until you can dismiss it. And, and believe me, I like dismissing things because I'm a little bit of a skeptical believer. I will ask questions and, um, and try to get to a normal earthly reason for everything. Only then, if I can't find it, do I go to the next level and think, well, this could be paranormal or out of this world. This is an out of this world announcement with Tino, Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever. We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so it was just a light in the sky, but you're telling me there are other things there. Were they paranormal experiences or what? Yes, today I would call them paranormal experiences. When I was six years old, uh, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I think it was just normal day-to-day events happening in my home. But looking back uh, at a particular age, when I think I was about 14, we looked back on the events and then we realised then, or I realised then that it was not normal. They were unusual. And it's got to do not so much with UFOs, but with ghosts. And I use that word. A lot of people don't like using the word ghosts anymore. But I'm an old-fashioned type of guy. I like using the language that I grew up with because it meant exactly that. It was uh, a ghost. That's pretty interesting. Just before we go on with that, though, I'd like to just return to this sighting that you had about of this light. Now, was this a daylight or an e- a nighttime um, sighting? It, it was around midnight, and my mate had just um, gotten his driver's license, and we thought we'd go for a drive. And there's a place on a hill here in Brisbane where, I, where I'm situated that um, a lot of the boys from school and that or after school used to bring their girlfriends, you know, like um, Blueberry sure. Hill on Happy Days. <laughs> so we thought, okay, let's go up there and have a drive up that way and we'll see who we can catch out. And we went up there. There's nobody there, of course. And there's four of us in the car. And we, so we stopped at the very top of this hill. Next thing, this little light appeared and it was brighter than the, all the other stars and it just seemed to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger until we thought, oh, this, this is coming straight for us. And no one spoke. Everyone just sat there in silence, bewildered by this object. It just whoosh. I believe it, it, it took off at a 90-degree turn and flew over the horizon in a speed that if I would have followed it with my eyes, I probably would have hurt my neck. Were you guys all still inside the car then when this happened or had you gotten out? Now, inside the car, engine's still running. It just caught our attention very quickly. Right. And so do you, what about its movements in your mind sort of rule out a mundane explanation? Okay. Well, it was 1979. So there's no craft that I know, especially would fly over a city, that would be that, that fast and have that speed and no sonic boom. There was an airport curfew. 11 p.m. till 6 a.m., I think, there were no flights allowed 
in or out of Brisbane because of jets were a lot noisier back in those days and they had curfews to for the for the, the citizens of that city to be able to get some sleep. Yeah, the way it approached us, brightness, the brightness, it's really hard to explain because it was like a white light, but it was not like any uh, a spotlight or a plane or a headlight or anything like that. It was just this pure, huge light. And then it, it took off so fast that it almost left a trail of light, if you know what I mean, like a almost like a comet's trail, but... I know exactly what you mean, because I've seen something very similar to that. Okay, so from knowing how aircraft work and watching how this object maneuvered, you think it's safe to rule out pretty much any sort of uh, terrestrial aircraft. And uh, by the sound of it, I would tend to agree. So, okay, And a nocturnal light, those are very common sightings. They were one of the largest sightings in the Project Blue Book investigations and even with QFOs. They're still the largest percentage. Someone might say ball lightning. Was it a stormy night or anything Uh, like that? No, perfectly clear. And even with ball lightning, uh, ball lightning tends to move along actually very slowly and make a crackling noise, and you can see it within a very close proximity. Well, this would have come from the back of the mountains that I could see. So the mountains would have been probably about, say, 50 kilometres away. So that's nearly, say, 80 miles, um, or the other way around. I'm not sure there, but oh, I say 50, even if you say it's 50 miles away, the mountain range. The, from that mountain range to us, it probably took a matter of about five seconds. Oh wow, that's pretty bad. Pretty yeah, fast. It was, yeah, it was. It was just coming in from a speck of light, like a star. Till this, if you hold up a small coin or the yeah you know, the little the back of your pen, if you hold up your pen, uh, the little part of the mm-hmm. back of your pen, if you hold that up, it's slightly larger than that from a point in the sky in five seconds, and then disappeared at a right angle without slowing down. Well, and then so when it was at its closest, uh, how big was it? Like say, uh, you know, like a cor- like a fifty cent piece, or well, well, extended no, out, or I'd say the size of a pea for a vegetable, because you know even the size of a fifty cent piece that's pretty big. Yeah, it, that would be large. It didn't get to it. It didn't get to be that close, but it took off. But I think that the way it was coming straight for us, and then took off. I thought maybe a car headlight being on a hill, it would have seen the headlights and just came close and then took off. I don't know the motors of it, obviously, but um, but it got uh, fairly close. So how old were you then when that happened? 19. 19, okay. And you're 16 plus now, sem- right? Was, yeah, yeah, I was 17, sorry, at the time, 17. And now I'm, I'm, I'm about to reach 60 in, uh, in about three weeks' time. And still no explanation for that. But, but then... According to some of your background, uh, you also became involved in the paranormal. And just before I asked you about the this uh, the details on your UFO sighting, you were about to, you were telling us about how you were encountering what you believe to be ghosts around the age of six in your home. <laughs> yes. Now I can cut a very long, long story short, and in doing so, I, I may take away a lot of the those little um, moments that could make people believe the story, you know. But, however, basically, in a nutshell, we lived in a house. I was six years old. My brother was four. And um, we um, 
we were encountering things that now we came from a um, a Catholic background, so you know we were going to keep that in mind because my mother would pray a lot and things would happen. She would have very little sleep in that house, and we would always have problems with what we thought were cats. If you understand, in Queensland, we have um, unique um, architecture of our homes, especially the old houses. They're built up on what we call stumps or, or poles. And um, and uh, so you've got downstairs where you can park your car underneath and nothing more. And then the house from that, say, two and a half, three metres or yards high, the house is, and that's to give ventilation around the house in a warm climate. And so um, we... Um, we had this sort of area where we'd park our car downstairs and we heard these cats all the time. So my father would, um, um, uh, being an Italian builder, with, he was good with his hands, he would go around and, and use uh, blocks and, and, and encase the house, the bottom of the house to make it animal-proof and, and make it more secure. And he did so. We could still hear these cats every once in a while. And one day my dad went downstairs because he heard the cats. He had a broom. He wanted to get rid of them. He you know, shooed them away. And he heard them on the other side of the wall. He goes, oh, that's strange. So he went out the door, back around the other side. Now, you can still hear them, but this time he heard them from inside the house. So he went back inside the house. Then he heard them from the house. And it went on for a while. And, um, you know, we had a neighbour come by one day and said, um, uh, oh, he talked to my dad. He said, oh, it was very um, sad what happened in your house back then. And my father says, what happened? I don't know anything about it. He goes, oh, he said two young little girls um, had locked themselves up in one of those old refrigerators with the handles. They were playing hide and seek and they suffocated to death in this this old refrigerator. And and then the penny dropped and what we were hearing was not um, uh, cats meowing, but two little girls crying. Um, and But what happened was the things that used to happen in the house, things would go missing. Um, we'd have a huge noise on our roof. We have uh, what they call corrugated iron roofs here, tin roofs. And so we heard this huge bang on the roof. My father got a ladder one night, climbed up, and he found the rock. And the rock was possibly uh, the size, say, of your a laptop. And a rock that high, that big, if it was a meteor, would completely destroy the house. However, there was not even a mark on the tin roof, but woke up all the neighbours. And my father struggled to get that off the roof. Um, There was no high point where anyone could throw it on there. So then we had pets that would go crazy at a particular time of night at 8.30. And we found out that that was the time that these two girls died. Um, and look, and there were more. There were many other things that used to happen. And But, you know, I mean, I'd go to school the next day and the kids would say, oh, what did you do over the weekend or oh, nothing much? And we said, oh, we just had the priest come over and bless the house again, thinking that that was something normal. And, and of course, you found out later that that was my mother. Tino Pesmente with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking about Tino's background as an experiencer, having followed the UFO phenomenon. Can you tell us more? Then I said I was talking about my paranormal experiences that sort of gave me an open mind as a young child, having these ghostly experiences in my house. It forced me to, when I understood, not at the time, but later as a teenager, young teenager, naturally curious about the whole the world and everything, where other people would just be thinking about sport, fast cars, girls, etc. I also thought about those things, don't get me wrong. But also I had room in there for unusual happenings in a household, which most young kids did not. So at 17, 18, I um, joined a group of UFO researchers that met in a particular place every month talking about UFOs. And I thought, oh, I've got to go to this meeting, and I did. And I was half expecting people to shove with little propellers on their heads and dressed in green, the sort of thing you expect. But it wasn't like that at all. It was a, a surprisingly a bunch of people that were that seemed quite normal to me, talking about this wonderful subject, and I was in awe of it. And I thought, wow, I never knew anything like this existed. I became a member because they were all volunteers in this in this line of work here. The organisation is run democratically where there's a, a meeting, a general meeting every year and people can, members can vote in or out any committee member, you know, we reapply for positions, etc. And so I applied for a, a position and just to set up the room, just 
to be part of it. I was I was thrilled to be part of it, and it was unusual for some of my age to do so. But um, there I was. So one incident led to another, and in doing so, though, I've, I've discovered something uh, along with Cheryl from our organisation that. When we interview people that have had a UFO encounter, uh, as I did recently to an elderly gentleman here in, in Brisbane, I always ask the question, have you ever had any other paranormal-like incidents happen to you? You know, and I wanted I, to stop at that point because this is so important. A lot of the so-called investigation of UFOs in this country treats the sighting as a singular event separated totally from the person who sees it. And as you point out, and with a lot of people, they may have a background of having other paranormal encounters. And if we don't understand the totality, how do we expect to get answers to UFOs? So it's very important that you do ask that question. And I did not believe that at at first, but the facts got in my way and I had to accept it. We did a radio show up here. I was part of a panel the radio announcer was not a person of, um, of that believed UFOs. He was just your general radio announcer who decided to start up a, a, a segment called the Paranormal Panel. He thought there's a there's a market for that sort of thing, you know. And they look at their ratings and they think that, that might be popular. He came to the belief then whenever someone said to him, oh, I've seen a UFO, he would always ask them any other experiences as a child or something because in about, I think, probably a good 70 to 80% at least, in cases, people will say, yes, I have. I've had another experience. Now, I interviewed a gentleman just only a few days ago. He said, no, 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 I never had any other experience. When I talked about it later, we'll calm down a bit, more casually, we got to know each other. All of a sudden, he starts, oh, this happened once. I said, well, isn't that paranormal? And he goes, oh, I suppose it is. I find that, well, for whatever reason, I can only speculate, but people that have had UFO experiences were also open to have other type of experiences sometimes in their lives. Whether they are more attuned to discussing these things or whether they there's some kind of connection, I don't know. Sometimes it's just because these people are more aware and, more, uh, and have a little bit more courage in coming forward that they don't mind talking about things like that. Um, men especially, you know, don't like talking about personal things that may have happened that they can't explain. Uh, and so they won't say anything. But when you sit with them for a little while and you talk about their UFO sighting and they'll they'll open up slowly and tell you about things that might send them into what we used to call a, uh, an asylum back in, in the old days, that if, you, if you've seen things like that, you must be crazy, you know. And that stigma still sticks to, to a certain degree today. I was uh, hoping that because of all the recent publicity, especially here in the States, that people who do see UFOs are not being treated that way. They're accepted as normal people who have who had abnormal or unusual encounters with something out there. Yeah, well, you'd hope so. And this is how it works. I'm a tradesman and many times I work on large construction sites. And I've had sometimes the local papers here. Brisbane is a city of about two and a half million people. So, you know, it's quite a substantial uh, place. And I may be interviewed by our number one newspaper here in in Brisbane. And so my photo will appear in a paper uh, or on one of those um, current affairs shows on TV. It's happened in the past. And then I have to front up to a construction site the next day. So I'm there working away 
and the people look at me, look at the paper, they'll come up to me and go, Oi, aren't you that bloke from that UFO? So I say, Oh, yeah, look, that, yeah, that's me. And they'll have a bit of a laugh together, as men do, you know, a few jokes here and there. I, I join in because, yeah, all good to me, I don't care. But when you go over to the water machine at 11.30 a.m., have a bit of a drink, and one of those guys are there, all of a sudden the whole chemistry is different. Oh, listen, mate, I was... I wanted to tell you about something. My grandmother had an experience once and, and then they open up to you, you know. The stigma still exists, but if you get people individually, they will open up and tell you all about these things. And unfortunately, men will be men, you know, as a group. It's all beating your chest and, and being the alpha male and that sort of thing, those games. But given the right time and, and circumstance, they will um, – open up and tell you all about their lives, you know, and all about those crazy things that used to happen. It looks like that doesn't change much. You've got to be smart about it, and if you're going to interview people about things, you probably should not do it as a group because you're probably not going to get the information that you're looking for. Well, the other thing here, too, is it sometimes important just to go to a person's house and ask about their family, or would they rather not share it? I'm thinking in terms of attitude here. If somebody has a lifetime of paranormal encounters, does it necessarily also include other members of their family? I mean, you've talked about ghostly encounters in your childhood. Looking at your entire family unit, how wide can we spread such encounters? Ah, Interesting. And actually, that didn't only stop at six years old. As I grew up, there was some, in my mature years, there was many other experiences that I've had. And so so it all depends on who I was with at the time. That would spread to those people as well. But as far as people wanting to, you, you were saying earlier, just, just before you just said something about the members of your family with UFO contacts, if people have had close encounters with UFOs, and I'm talking about close encounters of probably the third kind where you actually, they met up with other beings, you hear about a lot of the abduction cases. Let's call them the abduction cases for now. We found that an incredibly high percentage of those people, their families were involved, were also involved, almost as if it's a uh, some kind of a genetic experiment where it's not only you that they're interested in, but your grandmother or people before then, and, and they're following a particular gene or a family line to try to get the information that they want. And that gives us a suspicion of some kind of a genetic experiment or something. So in those abduction cases, unfortunately or fortunately, most people say unfortunately, other family members are involved, but they may not even know it. We only find this out by little clues because obviously, you know, we have a short lifespan on this planet and something could have happened to someone's grandmother, but unfortunately we've missed the opportunity to be able to talk to them. But there were clues there where, People would say things like, yeah, I've had an abduction experience. And I remember my grandmother telling me once that she went into this, was going into town and all of a sudden she was there, but she was four hours late. She can't remember why. And she used to have nightmares and, and talk about the, the little folk that lived in the mountain. You know, little clues like that that tells you that there could have been something else going on there and we missed we, the opportunity. Let's continue this in our next segment with our guest, Okay. With Tino and Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Yeah. 
As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hey, Survival Gardeners, garden soil isn't what it used to be. In fact, many gardens are farmed out and some are functionally dead. That means adding back the right trace minerals to your soil can immediately catapult your garden fertility, which means, quite naturally, better tasting and more nutritionally dense fruits and vegetables. So if you got your garden in late and want to help your fruits and vegetables play catch-up, or you simply want to pour on the trace elements to maximize this year's harvest, I've got good news. It's not too late to give everything you've got growing this year in your garden a powerful, life-renewing turbo boost. And the best part? This unique product creates a type of trace mineral synergy, which means that each mineral and trace element in the formula makes all the other minerals and trace elements much more effective than if they were used alone. Go to cmazing.net to turbo boost your garden. That's cmazing.net. Improve flavor, increase your harvest. Go to cmazing.net. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. 
Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So you're talking about an experience here that I guess you've kind of wet our appetite, you know, please go ahead. So, yeah, we found that... Um Many people that have had um, these uh, abduction experiences, that it, it isn't a one-off. It has to do with their family. Very, it seems to be an important factor in the abduction experience. I can't say it happens in every case. And when I say abduction, I mean people that are more or less taken unaware of, of the situation. So, you know, um, there are contactees, which I think are a little bit. It's a little bit of more of a friendly. Um, meeting of species <laughs> um, where someone sees and walks up to them and talks to them um, or the abduction experience, a little bit more sinister where someone's lying in bed, a big bright light, next thing they're floating out into a spaceship, that sort of thing. You know, when, when you talk about abductions, and this is a wider issue, maybe you'll have a reaction to it. I don't understand the motivations here. If we have extraterrestrials interested in visiting Earth, if they need genetic samples of humans, they don't need to do anything that's invasive to acquire that data. They don't have to grab people and take them through windows and doors or walls and take them aboard spaceships. That's not necessary. But we seem to see a lot of people around the world who have these really, really weird and sometimes horrifying experiences. And then, of course, some will liken this, and one of the researchers that we deal with here in the U.S. wrote a very interesting piece for our newsletter, pointing out the resemblance between the near-death experience and the UFO abductions. Have you looked into that wider picture? Have you considered whether or not maybe abductions aren't part of UFOs? Um, I have. I, I've personally investigated uh, a number of abduction cases, two of them involving people that I knew from childhood. Uh, and it's only because they discovered that I was involved in the subject many years later that they confided in me. Now, one of these particular people was the most unlikely. How would I, how would I explain him? Like a biker, a bad, mean biker. Let's put it that way, Okay. Um, he doesn't mind me saying that too. <laughs> the last thing in the world he would ever be thinking about are aliens or UFOs. That does not compute with him. Um, he's a very basic person who um, gets on with his life. He's not a very good boy at times, but, you know, that's who he is. So he has no time for any of this mumbo-jumbo, as he put it in his words. Yet, yet, something like this actually happened to him. And he had nowhere to go. And the only time 
then he, the reason he came to me, he came to visit me one day to show me some plans for a property that he wanted me to work on. And in my office, I had a little bookshelf, big bookshelf with a lot of UFO books. And Whitley Strieber's communion book was up front with that face. I'm sure you're aware of it, the face of that alien on the front cover. He turned, he looked at that cover and collapsed in my office. I thought he was having a heart attack or something. When he came to, he explained to me, he tried to explain to me, he said, how did I know about that bloke, that person? How do I, who is he? How do you know that face? Why is he, that face on that book? He, you know, he didn't know where to begin in, in trying for me to explain something that he had seen, he thought, he thought was the only person in the whole world that had seen, and it may have been imagined, but he could not figure out why that was on my shelf. And then the story came out about his own experiences. Um, you know, and um, some people like that just don't want this subject to be real, don't want it to be true. They're not looking for information. They're not looking for fame and glory. Um, and then you've got the cases where um, a lot of people sort of um, start talking about, oh, I'm sure I've been abducted a million times because every time I go to sleep, um, I feel like I'm falling. And things. So there are natural phenomena that gives us the feeling of um, astral traveling, you know, um, and near-death experiences. But I think they're all a completely separate thing because when you follow through with the story and the difference is you follow through with it, you get more and more information as time goes on and it brings you to a physical craft um, where something physically actually happened or was or was apparent at the time, whereas near-death experiences, they remain that. They remain experiences only, um, and that's why I find the difference. I'm not saying either one of them or both of them exist, but I'm saying sometimes they're not the same thing. Like um, seeing images at the end of your bed. Now, it could be ghost images, but they can also be aliens. It works both ways. So, but that doesn't mean they are both. It just seems that sometimes they have these similar traits. And our brain, remember, our brain processes things that we are aware of. It's the its best its best ability is to compare to something that it knows. And so, if you've been brought up with fairy tales about ghosts at the end of the bed, you will think it's ghosts. If you've been thinking that the only people that visit you at night are angels. You'll describe them as angels. Um, I like talking to people that are, have no religions in their lives, have not read books about UFOs, don't know anything about the paranormal. They're the best subjects. They're the best witnesses you can talk to because their minds aren't full with all these other things. Um, and so sometimes there could be a correlation, but I don't think it is. I think like near-death experiences are a completely different phenomenon. Um and judging by the the reports that I've received from people, I can I can see why, like, you know, people just in a hospital because they've been injured, um, and all of a sudden they see the light, they go through the light, they, they, they see certain images and then they come back down again. Um, you know, that's um I, I would call that a near death experience. Uh, I wouldn't associate it with anything to do with UFOs or abductions, you know. Well, we're coming up to a break in about a minute, and uh, 
we can start now and then continue after the break. But you mentioned that there's an elderly gentleman in Brisbane that you recently uh, talked to or talked with about his paranormal experience. Can you tell us some more about that particular case? Yes, yes, I certainly can. Um, now, this gentleman today is 83 years old, and we received a call from his daughter saying that their dad wanted to talk about something because at 83 he doesn't want to go to his grave and not having reported this incident. And we thought, oh, that, that's fair enough. And um, I was to interview him a few months back, but because of this um, virus, um, we thought it best at his age that he stays secluded and um, we did so. So, But recently everything sort of slowed down a little bit here in Australia and it allowed me to go and visit him. He's a fantastic gentleman. He's a lovely guy. Um, he was there with his daughter. And an incident happened. This happened in 1956. Okay, he was 19 years old. It was mid-October, warmer weather here in Australia, uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's a good time for us to break and we'll continue that story with our guest, Tino Pesamenti. With Gina Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Florida has reported more than 10,000 new confirmed coronavirus cases. Governor Ron DeSantis says his state is taking necessary steps to handle the increase in cases. We've also deployed um, a large number of of healthcare personnel uh, that the state had been working with or had on contract. And so some of those have been deployed to places like South Florida, the Tampa Bay area. Tampa Mayor Jane Castor says mandatory restrictions seem to be working. We put a mask order in place uh, three weeks ago, and so we've seen uh, significant adherence to that out in the community. The uh, county put a mask ordinance in uh, over two weeks ago, and so you know that, I believe, is starting to uh, show positive results. We're seeing a flattening out in the number of those cases. This is USA Radio News. 
Another longtime civil rights leader has passed away, and USA's John Hunt has the story. Representative John Lewis, the sharecropper's son who became a giant of the civil rights movement, passed away after a month-long battle with cancer. He was 80. The longtime Georgia congressman, an advocate of nonviolent protest, who had his skull fractured by Alabama state troopers on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, was the last surviving speaker from the 1963 march on Washington. Lewis announced in late December that he was undergoing treatment for stage four pancreatic cancer. Lewis had served in the U.S. House of Representatives since 1987, where he was sometimes referred to as the conscience of Congress. His illness didn't stop him from fending off a primary challenge in June. He won with 87% of the vote. Lewis' wife of 44 years, Lillian, died on New Year's Eve 2012. They're survived by one son, John Miles. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. You're listening to USA Radio News. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bow. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called Instantly ageless. Yeah. Instantly, you could see a difference. Even the cameraman were like, wow, look at the difference. Yeah. I mean, but I would definitely use this product. This product, within minutes of applying it, it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation. Try instantly ageless today at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. 30 day money back guarantee and preferred price discount at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Tino, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You know who's going to answer that phone if there's an emergency? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, please. (laughs) Okay, so it's 2 a.m. in the morning. This 19-year-old boy is in a car. And the car was a 1938 Ford V8. That's, that's, I don't know exactly what model, but um, and it's important that we know what sort of vehicle it is because um, it'll come evident a little bit later. That's an interesting car to have in 1956, but go ahead, please. <laughs> yes, okay. Now, Brisbane in those days, 1956, is not like Brisbane of today. Brisbane has grown up very, very quickly. And so what is a city, a suburb now, back then would have been sparsely populated. Anyway, he was driving home at 2 a.m. and a bright light was right over the school that he was passing. And he thought, that's unusual. And next thing, this big bright light came right over um, his own car. And he described it as a huge mushroom, a mushroom. I said, now, when you say mushroom, was it similar to a mushroom? He goes, no, no, it was a 25-metre top and a 3-metre stem, in the mo- like a mushroom. He said, that's exactly how I would describe it, like a mushroom. There's nothing that closer to that. I said, fair enough. And when he came, because there was not many people around back in those days, so this UFO got attracted to his car driving by and went over it. 
And as the UFO passed over the car, uh, it started to shake quite a bit. And he thought he's in trouble. Whatever this is is going to crash onto his car or something is going to happen that's bad. He found out that when he passed under, there was a little uh, power station nearby. And going to the power station, of course, you find those heavy-duty power cables. And when he was under those power cables, this craft backed away. And so then he, it, he passed underneath and then the craft came back closer to him. So he figured, in, you know, in his panic state, that the best thing to do was to try to drive under these cables. And he did so. And the craft eventually left him alone. But it got as close as, he says, about 10 metres from the top of his car when he was driving towards these power lines. Now, while it was, he backed off, it's, it was stationary above him and then took off and in what he says was one million miles per hour. That's how he explained it. He said he's, he's seen... Uh, back then, the uh, you know, uh, aircraft, back then, the jets or the planes, but nothing, he's ever seen anything move this fast. Okay, yeah, so because all along here, I'm thinking, okay, this could be something like a lighter-than-aircraft, some sort of a blimp, maybe. Yep. But that sort of rules that theory out, doesn't it? Because, I mean, blimps are lighter-than-air vehicles. Tend, they can be silent, and they can hover silently, which can be weird. But there is no way that they can do that sort of instant acceleration off into the distance. Yeah, no, that's right. That's what gave it away as being something other than a, a balloon or a blimp or whatever. Now, um, his car started acting up a little bit from that point on. And again, one of the questions you should always ask is, um, you know, what sort of car engine did you have, petrol, diesel? Because whenever we have these close encounters of this like this, um, there are some effects on the car. And in fact, he says, yes, it ran very um, – uh, it didn't run right from that point on. And then the next day he had to bring it to his friend as a mechanic and he found that the head gasket had blown on it. Um, and not only that, so I said to him, now, if it affected your car, what about you? you know, how did, did it affect you? What was? Did you feel anything different? And he goes, yes. He says, as soon as this thing was above me, um, I it affected my vision. He said, I started to see blurry, uh, my, my vision became blurry, and I had a, a, a painful headache, and I think I blanked out, he said. And I thought, oh, I said, well, that's interesting. So if you blanked out and you're driving, uh, and I purposely asked this question, and he goes, oh, no, no, I blanked out when I was underneath the power line, stopped, you know, and I said, okay, so do you remember if the car was stalled when you regained consciousness? And he couldn't remember. So there was a little bit of an area there where he blanked out, but he couldn't remember if he had to restart the car, whether it was still running. Because I find that if you blank out, sometimes your foot may slip off the clutch and you, you stall the car, you know, because I doubt very much it would have been an automatic back in those days. Right, um, of course. You know, this brings up sort of an issue. I mean, this is a, a sighting that took place a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, does, how is – he able to remember these details? Do you think they were really accurate, or do you or uh, did he write them down? Did he put them in a journal, or you know what was your impression of his state was, of mind? He was very much on the ball, as they say. 
He was very aware of things, very knowledgeable about what's going on around you uh, at the moment. He had his full faculties about it. He did mention that he did write some stuff down, not straight away after that, but um, a couple of years after that. And then he's always told his family, or only a couple of members of his family, the story. And she said, the daughter said, that's exactly how he told it. It was about 10 years ago or something when he was somewhere and he told the story. So the story changed very little in the last 10 years. I'm sure that there are details that he's probably missed out that were not important to him at the time, but may have been important to us. But um, it was something that he's taken off his chest. He didn't know who to contact. And at 83, he still had the burden of having this big secret that he couldn't tell. So the reason for him to, to tell the story was to get it off his chest. And, you know, sometimes that's all we can do as researchers. We are there to support people that have had these experiences because, well, I mean, who do you call? You know, <laughs> where, where do you go? And so by being there for them, that may be enough for him. You know, he, he, he's reached a point in his life. He's had something happen to him for all these years, right, all these years, and finally he's told a stranger and he feels a lot better about himself for doing so and he wants it catalogued, and which we will do, and he goes, you never know, someone might know something that happened in that day, you know, and there's exactly. another person, yeah. another witness. Um, exactly. And that's why I, why I encourage people, no matter how mundane you may think the sighting is or how crazy you are, or you may think you are, Report it to your local research group if there's any around, or there's a few, quite a few around the world now. Let someone know about it so they can detail it. Certainly write things down and then report it to someone. We will not think you're crazy, okay? Uh, we will take the report. Now, just pretend for a moment that this, I thought that this bloke was a complete lunatic, right? Obviously had something wrong with him there. I'd still report this as he said it because he reported it, okay? We'll let someone else decide whether he's, he's a nutcase or not, but that's not my job. And to me, he seems quite sane, quite reasonable, right? And I'd have no reason to disbelieve him. And, you know, other people may come across differently when telling a story. You know, we're not all the same. A lot of people don't like sharing news with strangers. They may be nervous, they may stutter a little bit when they get a bit nervous. That doesn't mean that they're lying about it or that they're crazy. It means that they're just telling the story the best way they possibly can. And I'm not there to judge the psychological um, state of a person. That comes with training. That comes with many years of experience. But you keep that to yourself or you speak about that only if you're in your group and you want to know if you want to categorise a sighting. And I'll be honest with you, um, I've been called out to many people's homes where I think that there's they may have been delusional um, or very lonely and, and looking for anyone to talk to. Those things happen as well. Uh, you, know, you can't not say that because that's just a fact. But in this case, this person here came across as being a completely sane um, and a, a, a very um, articulate uh, witness. Um, we have a very articulate guest here. Okay. Tino <laughs> Pesamente, and we have more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now. 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Amazon customer, 5 out of 5 stars. I'm quite happy about it. This product has relieved what appears to be an angina problem, pain in the chest after climbing stairs, and short on breath. I'm quite happy about it. Dr. Sam Surreal. Good product and ingredients. Kept my blood pressure normal after mild heart attack in 2015. Switched to plant-based diet also to reverse atherosclerosis. John Bispico's. Five out of five stars. Built up my immune system. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Over Eyes. 
is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. In doing your investigations, have you done much data processing in terms of the kind of people who tend to report sightings to you, age groups, ethnic groups, anything else? Look, we, we, we've spoken about this as a group. <laughs> it's very interesting you should say this. We had a discussion once. It was, a, it was based on a discussion that someone had had in the United States, and they got in trouble over it where they said, I think they said, now don't get me wrong, that gay men seem to be abducted more than straight men. I mean, this, this is what you can do with figures and things. And it caused a bit of a, a controversy because, you know, as you can imagine. Now, I thought of it a little bit of a different way. To me, maybe the case was that a gay man would be more forthcoming with information rather than your traditional builder-type construction worker like I've dealt with where they will tell you nothing to be recorded because of their machoism, if you understand what I'm trying to say. I may use terminology that um, in America (laughs) you may not understand, so I apologise if I do. But you've got to be very careful when with statistics and, and things like women are far more open about things. And it's just not about UFOs and paranormal, about their health, about how they're feeling, about how they think of the world. You know, the, it's just a, I think it's just a fact. That might be changing, but up until now, you can't say more women get abducted. It may be because they're more willing to talk about it. So I think it's very dangerous to sort of categorise things without doing full research on it. And we're not capable of doing that. We're not a big organisation. You know, we we do the best we can with our own jobs and families and going out and researching. But occasionally we do talk about things like that. And um, we talk about the research that other people have done and that have spent a considerable amount of money doing. And again, I think there are many danger areas in these things. So it must be taken with a grain of salt. don't 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 put all your um, belief systems in one package because it could go downhill very quickly. But um, you know, like farmers, hillbillies are not the only ones that have contact with aliens. City people do as well. You, you know, uh, you don't have to be an uneducated person to see little green men. <laughs> you know, plenty of pilots and judges do the same. Have had the same experiences. Whether a judge would be willing to talk about it and destroy his career is another story. Whether a pilot will voluntarily tell you that information and then become and get um, suspended with pay until he has a psych evaluation because of the incident that he's reported, it's got to be seen. So there are many things out there, many reasons that society puts roadblocks in a lot of people's ways. You know, if you're a pilot and you see a craft come past with flashing lights and it does a a 90-degree turn and you report it, they have to then evaluate whether you are fit for flying, whether you've seen something or whether, you know, so, and I don't blame them, but that's the way we are in society. So pilots will probably be very, very cautious before they come forward and, and report something. So it's a great question. I'd love to have a computer and spend time on doing that, but I think that it's still a bit of a dangerous territory. I don't know anyone that's immune to this phenomenon, you know, especially today in an age where, with the internet where communication is a lot easier than it was, say, in the 50s where you're relying on a newspaper to get information from one place to the other. Things have changed dramatically. And you find now that stories like this are spread much more quickly 
throughout the world where if you if you have state-run newspapers they won't allow the printing of certain stories because it doesn't agree with their political system so yeah you've got to be very aware of things like that well nowadays you could hiccup and gets online people hear about it randall there was a question or a comment from one of our listeners in the question bank in our forum would you mention that one now Right. Yeah, we've got a question on the Paracast community forums where our listeners can post questions and topics for discussion for our guests. This one is from Marduk, who asks, I'd be curious what you think is really going on at Pine Gap. And uh, while we're at it, we can uh, also remind our listeners, if they don't already know, that I think there is an Australian TV series dedicated to the place called Pine Gap. There is. I haven't watched it. There's, there's reasons why I don't watch a lot of shows is because it distracts me from the facts. Um, because to do a TV show, you've got to put an entertainment factor in there to keep your listeners or your viewers there. So if the facts are not enough, you have to add stuff to make it a little bit more palatable. And there's a couple of cases about that. But Pine Gap, for those of you that don't know, is in the middle of nowhere, absolutely in the middle of the desert. You go to the desert and there's a couple of little buildings a huge uh, transport plane comes in probably once a day, once every few days from the United States to supply this base. Officially, I think it's a, um, a listening station, uh, listening to um, conversations, other governments, things like that, or close to being officially the reason. Um, other people say that it's just got a huge, a huge underground base where there's all sorts of experiments, probably similar to a little bit like Area 51. But... It's easy to come to that conclusion when you have something that's secret because when something is secret and no one talks about it, speculation comes in. And you know, speculation te- tends to be a lot more sweeter to the palate than maybe the facts, you know. So we don't know, all right? The general public does not know what goes on at Pine Gap. You'll have people in conspiracy theories coming and telling you even the menu for lunchtime at Pine Gap and places like that. Uh, and, and, you know, um, all well and good, but it generally starts off with, I know a person who used to know a person who used to work there, and they said this and they said that. Well, when it gets to that stage, I no longer care. I cannot get distracted in my line of work, like as a researcher. I can't go any, I can't go there. I can't see it for myself. I can't get any official documents. Then I just stay where it is and move on. That's my personal opinion. Okay, Um, thanks for that. Uh, There have been, though, uh, you know, I think more than one sighting in the area of of what people describe as UFOs. Do you think those those are just coincidentally near Pine Gap, or do you think that there actually might be a connection? Ah, now that's an interesting question. That there is a saying that where do I go if I want to see a UFO, and the answer generally is. You will either go to, um, like, in people like Timothy Good, American author, uh, great. We've had him out here. He says this as well. He goes, you go to a, a large water supply like a dam, a power station, or a military installation, right? And it's not that the craft belongs to that area. Is that they're as curious as we are about what goes on there. And I think they go over there to those areas to investigate themselves, and therefore, people will see these craft over top secret areas. Um, I don't think they originate from there. 
but um, I think there is a connection sometimes between these lights uh, and places like Pine Gap. Um, and, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, if you've got the technology that these craft that supposedly come from another place other than the Earth, um, they'll be able to sort of probably scan the ground and, and say, what are these people up to? They're building a building underground, 10 storeys underground, you know, like I'd, I'd be curious too. So, yeah, I, I think it is true. I think there are many, many objects seen over these area, these military installations for a reason. Okay, and uh, thanks for that. And, of course, I mean, you mentioned the similarity to Area 51, and there are a couple of reports that I read where people actually claim, and, of course, you know, I, I appreciate that you haven't been able to go there and verify any of this, but I still find them pretty interesting. There was one report where the person says they saw some kind of a door open up in the ground and one of these UFOs fly out of there. Uh, this is an Area 51, is it? No, this is at Pine Gap. Oh, yeah. Yes, and, and, I, and I'd like to talk to that person one day and, and, and find out some more information because that's the sort of thing that's lacking is witnesses to things like that. So that, that would be quite interesting. And, and please don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think that these things um, do not involve UFOs. My frustration is the, the lack of ability to get information from that. That, that frustrates me. Um, but they, they could be building UFOs there for all I know, uh, but I can't prove it. Um, but one thing you get, like, if you follow through enough, like Area 51, is when people, the people, the original witnesses for uh, Roswell, where eventually they say that the crafts were, the crash craft was brought over to Area 51, um, they will tell you on their deathbeds um because, you know, in a retirement home or a hospital, they'll call people together and sign statutory declarations saying that I saw this back then. I have been sworn to secrecy up until now, but I've only got a few days left to live and I want to tell my story. And they'll tell you what happened. We're um, going to tell you what happened right now. Then we'll have okay. more to come with Tino and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. 
The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Welcome back to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, past the deathbed confessions, which we've all read about with regard to Roswell, we talk about Area 51, we talk about possibly comparable areas in your country. How is your government involved in UFO investigation? How do they take it? Do they take it seriously or what? I think, like most governments, they um, they say that they're not involved in it at all. They don't show any sort of interest at all, especially the Australian government. I've never heard the subject of UFOs brought up in Parliament. And I do take an interest in what happens in Parliament, but I've never come across a story where any politician has come forward with some kind of um, information or clue. I think the American government, the French, the Brazilian governments... Uh, Canadian are probably a little bit more forthcoming, uh, certainly not here. They're far too conservative here to stick their necks out, I think. It's unfortunate, uh, especially in a country like Australia where it has a very high percentage of UFO sightings per head of population, but it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be a point of interest to any politicians here at the moment. Um, and we work very hard to get governments to commit to something, especially uh, the military, and we don't seem to get anywhere. The, the most we've ever gotten from the military here is that they were going to pass on all their sightings over to us because it was taking up too much of their staff time, when, um, especially in the 90s, mid-90s, when there was a, a boom in sightings here in our region. But then we know of people that have reported things to the government uh, that never made it to us. So that didn't necessarily happen either. But certainly governments like the French, Brazilian... Governments, I don't know what it is. I think it's the from the cultures where they don't care what they say. It doesn't matter, you know. Like, uh, um, you know, like even the Italian Parliament, the president he can have ten girlfriends and he boasts about it as a political gaining point rather than a negative. <laughs> but here in Australia, the government I think is far too. But all sides of government, even the left leaning government, is too conservative for that sort of thing. What I always wonder here when we think that maybe governments, whether or not they want to investigate UFOs or UAPs or not, whether they have secret information. And we want to have that secret information. But we think here, with all the jockeying for position around the world, if any government around the world has something that would put them at an advantage in terms of dealing with UFOs, you'd think one would say, you know what, let's release it and gain the upper hand before someone else does, but it never happens. Well, 
if we talk, I'll give you an example of that. If, if it was true that the United States had um, uh, UFOs flying around, they're built in the US for military purposes. Surely there's been enough wars and battles now to put one or two of them in action. It never, like you said, it never happens. So either they don't have anything or they're keeping it for a different purpose. Uh, I do believe that they've tried to replicate a lot of the crash crafts around around the um, the world. I don't think they quite got it yet. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of investigating, not so much duplicating supposed technology of a possible crashed spaceship. I'm thinking more in terms of just saying, hey, we can tell you right now we're being visited by something that may be from another planet. Be first to gain the upper hand in terms of political positioning, positioning of power, especially if they do have a lot of knowledge. If it is, of course, well, stuff's going on. We don't know what it is. They don't want to admit that. So... I think, to a large degree, there are several possibilities here. Number one, they have the information waiting for the right time to reveal it. They don't have any solid information in terms of a final answer and do not want to admit that because of possible fears that it might impact national security. Or major governments of the world not only do know, but they're working possibly through the UN or privately to keep that information away from the public. It's not a singular conspiracy. It's a global conspiracy. What do you think? Interesting again. Now, everyone thinks of government as being a big bad boy, a bit a bully, you know, a, that organisation that must be brought down. I think of government as being individuals um, in meeting in a particular area, a uh, house to, to, to you know, present laws and govern, etc. Now, I differ from a lot of my colleagues when I say that maybe, maybe sometimes the government does do things for the good of its people. <laughs> it's not always negative and they're always sinister. Unfortunately, we have that, that mentality that, that it's very hard to dismiss nowadays. But what if there are, there are some responsible people there and they get together, maybe through the United Nations, say, look, we've got this information. However, what are the repercussions if we release it? And they talk about it. And they come to the conclusion where it's probably best to keep it. Now, whether it's right or wrong, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying how they may be thinking about it. And they say that, uh, let, look, let's not um, release this information now because it would cause too many problems within this community, that community, the other community. And so maybe, maybe they are doing it for our benefit, not inf- releasing that information. Maybe the day will come soon where they will. But like you, like you were alluding to, we need to do it collectively. You, you can't you can't disenfranchise a religion or a country because you've got this information and then cause chaos within that community. You can't do that. Um, so I think you've still got to be very responsible and and be careful. We've seen we were talking about Star Trek earlier, and we we're talking about um, how you're not supposed to, um, you know have contact with certain species because it would cause chaos with their development. Um, you know, the prime directive, for example, on Star Trek. And I think something like that exists. I think that it's sort of a self-inflicted prime directive where there's this information about aliens, but we're not at a level where we can accept it as a, as a global community without some kind of major disruption. Um, so I think that's, 
I'd like to think that's the reason rather than a more sinister one where one country is just collecting information for whatever purpose it wants. I think that I would like to think that groups like the United Nations, I don't have a lot of confidence in the United Nations myself, but I would like to think if they do, they're the ones that could say, look, it's probably not a good idea uh, now. We'll revisit this in 10 years' time and see whether things have changed. Um, right, but we also have, we do have certain government officials, some of whom are in the U.S., who do not accept the U.N. for anything. They just resent that we even support them in New York City. And they would be happy to break with the U.N. if the opportunity presented itself. So I don't know if this is done. I don't think the U.N. is a strong enough organization for any of this to happen if it did happen. Then, of course, you were mentioning before Prime Directive, and I was thinking about E.T. and a Prime Directive. But, of course, with Star Trek, they violate the Prime Directive every other episode. But in terms of a real Prime Directive, I think if extraterrestrials visiting Earth had a Prime Directive, the mere fact that we see a UFO is going to change somebody's life. How many people have looked at a UFO, seen something, even people like you, you just see a light while driving in your car, and suddenly, for various reasons, the direction of your life changes, and that is interference. The mere presence of a UFO being seen by anyone potentially interferes. Unless the directive is, show yourselves over a period of 300 years, slowly, increasing in in, in numbers, and drip feed this population in the belief that we exist, rather than show up at uh, the, in, in Washington or um, New York Plaza or something. You know what I mean? Like, let's show ourselves slowly. Let's do what we need to do, um, and um, that's if they all cooperate. If they're all the well, same. we're talking here then about a long-range plan that they can see a plan or maybe have a plan for introducing themselves to a primitive species. And it's a long-term plan, not through one generation, but as far as we're concerned, multiple generations. Of course, it's not like companies that can't even think beyond the next quarter. Okay, Tino, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made in the USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203, 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you, too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're focusing here maybe on whether ET has a long-range plan and how long will that long-range plan take to reach its fruition or maybe et seeded us in the beginning in the beginning they came here and they either genetically modified the local species or they created a new race and they watch over us to see what we're doing but the long-range plan is never 
unless it were absolutely necessary to interfere. We are a scientific experiment, but I kind of think now it's not a very good experiment. It's gone real bad. <laughs> we, we have to figure out what long range is. To a government, long range is about four years or the, the length or around about of their um, life in parliament, you know, before the next election. To progressive countries, industrial countries like, say, China, uh, their long-range plans is maybe 100 years. In 100 years, we should get to this point, this point, that point. To an ET, a 1,000 years might be nothing. Like, it's a 1,000-year plan in, 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 if you're space explorers, maybe completely nothing. So, yeah, you have, to, you have to think outside of the human square, okay? To them, a 1,000, 2,000 years is a reasonable amount of time. For us, it's generations and generations and generations of time. So, yeah, we have to think of it that way. As far as experiments go, I think still there's a possibility that some kind of experiment is taking place, uh, whether that's just a medical, just prior to joining the spacefaring other races, I don't know. I don't know, because if you, if, you, if you take ancient astronaut theories, then in it there are, there are stories that um, people say that, you know, contact has happened in the biblical times, way back, and it's still ongoing today. So that's pretty long range. Uh, but what's the? we may not comprehend the reason. Maybe there are species that are dying out and they need to be, they need some kind of human gene to kickstart their own species. Maybe the aliens are us into the future, uh, coming back to rectify some problem in the genetic buildup that causes a near extinction of humanity. There are so many theories out there. Now, we're standing in a point where we just look out and see what's happening around us at the moment. And we see ETs coming into our homes, carrying out these experiments that you rightly said earlier, don't need, really need to happen. But they do. They still do. Uh, one of the earliest cases of Antonio Villas Boas, a Brazilian farmer who didn't know about UFOs. It was in the early 50s or mid, mid 50s. He was a tractor driver, farmer, driving his tractor at night because it was cooler. A UFO landed nearby. He didn't know what it was. He'd never heard of them. Uh, abduction case happened. And the story that he, to he told back then to the, the original reports are not any different than they are today, but he had no communication with uh, people that have had these experiences. There was no TV. He was illiterate, couldn't read papers. So it happened. He didn't know what happened. He just knew that that incident happened. The cases of um, many other people where similar sort of sexual experiments, you know, like with pregnancy and, and to do with things like that, they, they've been the same all this time. So we can't deny the fact that some kind of experiments are taking place and they need to be hands-on physical. So I don't know. What are they doing? Do they have the support of the United Nations or people from like in the, the United States in the 50s. Uh, the, one of the rumours is, of course, that the United States gave permission to the aliens to carry out experiments in return for something, but that's gone horribly wrong. So I, I don't know. I really don't know. There are many, many different theories that you could turn to that make <laughs> perfect sense, if I could say that. You can go for it, Randall. Oh. <laughs> Here I was just uh, yeah, just waiting there, listening. And uh, yeah, I think you make some really good points there. Uh, I'd also 
like to hear more about any other personal experiences you may have had. So we started off, you were you were six and you experienced some sort of what you believe to be a haunting. Then at 17, you had your UFO experience. Uh, that would be an MA1 in the Hynek Valley system, which is the uh, maneuver of the first kind, which means uh-huh. limited to visual observation. Now, uh, between six and 17, did anything else happen? Not, not that I can remember and not that I could put it down to at the time as being paranormal. So how about it's after not, that then? After well, then after that, there's been a big gap. And then, then we come into, say, when I'm in my um, later years now, um, the occasional thing when I was 17, actually, the one incident I remember, I was driving with my friend, and it's very interesting too, coincidences. Never forget that because this particular friend um, – his name is Gino, and as I'm talking to you right now, my mobile is next to me, and he's just sent me a message, and I haven't heard from him probably about a year and a half, and I was just about to mention his name on an incident that happened to me when I was about 1920, and his name popped up on my phone, which took me by, a little bit by surprise then when I was talking before. But anyway, well, so... <laughs> well, here we go. There, I mean, there's this element of synchronicity, too. Oh, oh Secret is a big part of my life. Well, so, you know, by all means, if you want to okay. fit some of that in, uh, go right ahead. I'll certainly try. <laughs> but I was traveling with Gina through a, a big shopping center, a shopping uh, mall car park. And in the middle of the night, not many people around. It was closed back then. There was, there was no night trading. Um, and the both of us looked up and we saw what we could best describe as strips of plastic in the middle of the sky at night that the moonlight was shining off. The only time I've seen anything like it was in an episode of the original Lost in Space when the Jupiter 2 was passing through this sort of a void. And do you know, um, here in Australia, we've got the screens out the front door to stop the flies from getting in. So they're little strips of plastic um, that you can walk in and out of, but flies don't like them very much, so they keep out. Um, so they're about, say, um, a few centimetres, a few inches wide, and um, they're clear. They're, you can see through them. And that's what that looked like in the middle of the sky, but it was the size of a bus. It was huge in the sky. We both looked at it, and then it just turned off. And my mate Gino put his foot on the gas and got the hell out of there without ever the two of us saying a word. It just happened. So I remember that incident. Now, with the synchronicity, um, especially during times of stress, and um, I've been through a, a divorce, and, and I think that's, um, that probably counts as stress, things like, like a, a more than a billion to one, I would say, um, I'm walking um, – so um, I'm separating with my wife or going through the divorce. and um, So this was how about how old were you then when this was going on? This was, I was, uh, that would have been about, oh, say, 20. Yeah, we've got, we've got more to come. 15 years ago. We've got more so to late, come. So late with. 20s kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 uh, 40s. Oh. Uh, mid, mid to late okay. 40s. With more with Tino and Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Florida has reported more than 10,000 new confirmed coronavirus cases. Governor Ron DeSantis says his state is taking necessary steps to handle the increase in cases. We've also deployed um, a large number of, of healthcare personnel uh, that the state had been working with or had on contract. And so some of those have been deployed to places like South Florida, the Tampa Bay area. Tampa Mayor Jane Castor says mandatory restrictions seem to be working. We put a mask order in place uh, three weeks ago, and so we've seen uh, significant adherence to that out in the community. The uh, county put a mask ordinance in uh, over two weeks ago, and so you know that, I believe, is starting to uh, show positive results. We're seeing a flattening out in the number of those cases. This is USA Radio News. Another longtime civil rights leader has passed away, and USA's John Hunt has the story. Representative John Lewis, the sharecropper's son who became a giant of the civil rights movement, passed away after a month-long battle with cancer. He was 80. The longtime Georgia congressman, an advocate of nonviolent protest, who had his skull fractured by Alabama state troopers on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, was the last surviving speaker from the 1963 march on Washington. Lewis announced in late December that he was undergoing treatment for stage four pancreatic cancer. Lewis had served in the U.S. House of Representatives since 1987, where he was sometimes referred to as the conscience of Congress. His illness didn't stop him from fending off a primary challenge in June. He won with 87 percent of the vote. Lewis' wife of 44 years, Lillian, died on New Year's Eve 2012. They're survived by one son, John Miles. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. You're listening to USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. 
They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. All right, here, you mentioned a divorce. Well, I had one of those once, but I got through it. I mean, I, unlike many of these relationships, we shook hands. And went our separate ways, and occasionally we're in touch with one another. And the same with me. But some, during that process, little things happen that annoy me or annoyed her, you know. But but and I'm just assuming that there's a connection with a divorce. But anyway, so I'm driving. I'm driving to a particular place, and after the divorce, I started dating again. And as I come from a very conservative family, so I decided to. I met with a lady, wonderful lady, and. Um, she said, wondering, do we go? We have a lot of beach resorts near where I live here. Um, it's a wonderful place if you if you want if you like to surf and beaches. Wonderful, the Gold Coast. So I, I booked a place, and then cancelled that one, and I rebooked a place to go and visit Melbourne. Uh, I thought, let's go to Melbourne for a weekend. It's a lovely place, and I'd like you to have a look at it. She's never seen Melbourne before, and she said, okay. I said, no, I've told no one, not even my two sons, know about this. Um, I'm still a little bit uneasy, you know, uh, this is well, well, well and truly divorced though, but you know, the guilt that you get being a Catholic. So I um, decided to book a little place in Melbourne and Melbourne is a city of about four or five million people. Okay. And I booked a little hotel in a little unknown street, unknown hotel, you know, a little place. And my ex-wife had reason to ring me about something and we're talking. And at the end of the conversation, she said, well, you enjoy your time in Melbourne next week. And I said, what? How do you know? And I thought that she hacked into my emails that she did She did that once before. So I was very, very upset with her. And I was upset. I was yelling at her. Anyway, she calmed me down. I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I didn't do any of that. I said, how would you possibly know? Because only two people know about it on this planet. And she goes, her boyfriend had booked a place in Melbourne for them to go. And she just rang up to confirm her booking. And when she told them that my surname, which she still had, they said, oh, yes, Tino. And she goes, no, me. And so, you know, she had rung and booked, or he had, the boyfriend, the exact same little hotel in the back streets of Melbourne, a city of 5 million people, right, and booked the same place that I had booked with my girlfriend, you know, two years, a year and a half after our <laughs> divorce. All right. Wow. Now I go to watch a football game. Fifty-two thousand people. I got two tickets late, and I decided to ask this, this my new girlfriend at the, the same one. I said, "Look, why don't we just go there and spend an, uh, watch a football game, and then we'll go have something to eat nearby and make a night of it." Okay. We go. I'm sitting right up at the back, right up at the back, about ten rows from the very back of this big stadium. Sit down, turn around, and find my ex-wife sitting five seats below behind us. Right? 
the same Wi-Fi <laughs> problem before. We decided uh, to leave early because we're too uncomfortable. We'd leave early, started to rain. Um, a few people were leaving early. Uh, and this lady jumped one of the puddles on the ground, nearly tripped, and I leaned over and grabbed her. I said, oh, you all right, ma'am? I'd be careful. It was my ex-wife I caught. She jumped a puddle, tripped, and I caught her. I mean, where does it where does it stop? It keeps on going. But anyway, I had um, um, the same lady, my girlfriend at the time. I was having a shower, finished my shower, coming out. She has a a young boy, teenage boy. We haven't talked about anything in particular. And she said to me, "I was going to ask you something," and words came out of my mouth that I had no control over. And I said, "Do you want me to give your son a job working with me?" Now, that took me by surprise as much as it did her because that's exactly what she wanted to ask me. We have never discussed it. He had no inclination of being a tradesman, so it was never never a possibility. But in that moment, those words just came out of my mouth and I had no control over them, right? So I can never explain that. The universe here is obviously trying to tell you something, or maybe there's a little bit of telepathy going on. What do you do as a tradesman? Uh, I'm a... A painter and decorator, so um, yeah, try to make your house look beautiful. Okay, interesting. Uh, now, I, I just was looking through your bio here, and um, when you were 19, you joined a meeting at the Flying Saucer Research Bureau, which was to become UFO Research Queensland, one of the oldest groups in the world, established in 1956. You became a researcher with them and soon after became president a position which you held for nine years so over the years about how many people have you talked to about their experiences do you think in their thousands you know at the meetings there's always two or three people that would come up to you talk about their experiences uh get called out because of inquiries that have been left the radio station that was attached to the group like we we had a, a panel a panel show on a radio station that put me in contact with hundreds of people. So I would say thousands. I've had dozens or so, dozens of uh, abduction cases, thousands of basic witnesses to lights in the sky, a few dozen cases of um, markings on the ground, you know, uh, close encounters of that kind. Uh, So I I think it's safe to say that by now then you are – uh, a confirmed believer, even <laughs> though we don't have the verifiable, scientifically valid material evidence. Yeah. A lady once said to me, we we're talking, having a deep discussion. We have a lot of deep discussions at our meetings. We, we still get a turnout of about 30 to 50 people that come along. Um, and that's, they're not bad numbers nowadays, of the, the days of the Internet. And That's we're having actually really good. Yeah, yeah, tell us a bit about how these meetings go and maybe well, give us a couple of examples of uh, sh- if you can sure. talk about any of the cases. Sure. Well, um, we have once a month we have a meeting and we hire a hall and we invite people to come along. They pay a small price to get in because we have expenses like the hall to pay and insurance, etc. But we run as a non-profit organisation and we put out a journal every two months and uh, people come along and we might have a particular topic to discuss or a guest speaker uh, from overseas or interstate or wherever. And so we present them all at this meeting and people are allowed to sit down and allowed to ask questions at the end as normal. So on one particular day, a lady got up and says, um, uh, you're very opinionated. 
And I said to her, if anyone has been studying something for 40 years and they still don't have an opinion, I would think that is more concerning than someone who's been doing it for 40 years and have based an opinion, you know, an opinion based on what they've, they've seen and heard. And so uh, I, I've got a bit of a reputation of going against the grain sometimes at the meetings. I often play the devil's advocate um, with different topics to try to, um, to try to make sure that the, the subject matter doesn't always go the predictable one way. And I like offering alternate theories and um, and people seem to enjoy that. They seem to enjoy the challenge of something new. Um, now, uh, and, and like these meetings have been going on for a long time. And I think the, the reason for the success of these meetings is that we never try to sensationalize things. Um, we'll never, we will never show up dressed as aliens or, um, you know, that sort of um, approach, you know, like, uh, colourful streamers outside with alien heads, which we try to keep what we call it, uh, our feet on the earth while we're investigating things that are not of this earth. <laughs> but um, it seems to work for us, and we respect people's opinions, and everyone gets a chance to talk about whatever they want to. Um, we've never had any problems. Um, it's always They always run pretty smoothly. Um, and we've had them, and it's really strange because um, the um, – one of my first jobs as a junior there was to pack the chairs up at the end of the meetings or the beginning of the meetings. Little was I to know that that would lead me to become chairman. So I was always very sceptical then they gave me a job. I thought, no, yeah, because a chairman is the equivalent of being president. Well, you learn yeah, how to move okay. chairs. And after you learn how to move chairs, then you basically have to learn to sit in one. And once you learn to sit in, no, I don't know where we started this, but we've got Tino and Gene and Randall here for one more segment. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets. 
60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. Attention homeowners that have ever had a broken appliance. (laughs) That's a joke, right? We've all had broken appliances. I own a home just like you and have found a way for as little as a dollar a day to have all the major appliances in my home on a warranty plan. They're guaranteed to be fixed or replaced. You know how expensive an air conditioner, the heating system, a washing machine, dryer, water heater, or refrigerator can be. For about a dollar a day, all your major appliances are protected in case they break. Unless you're uh, Daddy Warbucks or the Monopoly guy and you don't care about money, call my friends at the Home Service Club now and get a warranty on your major appliances. It's a free call, and the first month is free. But be one of the first 25 people to call within the next 10 minutes. 800 825 6796 so it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Paudiarco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We all like to look at things we've done in the past, but also to the future. And do you see an end game at all about UFO research, or are we going to be talking about this 20 years from now if we're still around to talk about it 20 years from now? What do you think? I think I said that 20 years ago. I said the best thing that can happen to us is that we no longer have a job, that it's all been settled. I said we'll be here for 20 years discussing this still. And not long ago, a few months back at a meeting, I said the same thing because everybody keeps saying we're nearly there. I can feel it. We're nearly there. I said, well, we've been saying that for 100 years. I said in 20 years we'll still be here sitting here talking about this subject. I hope that's not the case. I, I see <sighs> – uh, too many distractions and too many people hijacking the subject for their own belief systems, their own agendas, and, and have moved away from the the core research that we were doing. Um, and there's only a limit. When it's out of your hands, there's a limit to how far you can go with research. You can't call up a UFO to research it because you've got a few days off. 
it only happens on their terms when they're available, when they let themselves be seen. So that limits things greatly. That's really interesting that you should mention that. And of course, I have to break in there because, of course, there are people who claim that they can call them down. You know, we know that there's a couple of famous uh, personalities out there in the UFO field who claim to have this protocol that they call uh, CE5, which, of course, that was just basically redefined by Greer. It's completely different than the Hynek Valley designation for a CE5. I'm not even sure he knew there really was a CE5 when he created it. But, of course, uh, you know, he claims that that with this system, he can call them down. So what do you think about these, should I say, personalities in the field? Or should we be taking them seriously? Now you're going to hear the controversial Tina. Um, (laughs) Let's hear it. Like everything else, a new theory that comes along, I'll be the first to be in line to say, oh, I want part of that. I want to have a look at that and see how it works. So I went along to one of these CE5 meetings that we had here. They had people standing in a circle with tambourines, banging them against your thighs, walking around in circles. And I'm thinking, okay, don't dismiss it yet just because it's different, because that's what people say about all the UFO subjects. So don't be dismissive. Don't be dismissive. There's always It always seems to be the case of one individual taking ownership of the, the particular moment. I chose this spot because they told me this is where it's going to happen. Those are alarm bells ringing in my head. Unfortunately, up until date to, to now, I have not known of one successful attempt for us to initiate contact. If you were to go out there, say the three of us, gentlemen now, were to every month go out, pick a spot, and do what they call a night watch, where you just lay back, look at the sky, enjoy it. Eventually, you will see something, okay? It could be a meteor, it could be any a comet, it could be anything. That doesn't mean you summonsed it. That was going to happen anyway. There's hundreds of these other meetings where people are dancing, singing, carrying on, uh, shining lights. Shining a flashlight from the earth down there, if you're in a plane, you can't really see it. It gets blended into the rest of the light pollution of the earth. People who will go there will say that we can say, and I don't know of one successful case. So I've come to the conclusion that that method does not seem to work. I've also come to the conclusion that it depends on who's organizing it, that it's all about them. They take ownership of the whole subject. They take credit for any, any light that might appear in the sky whether it be a 747 in a distance coming into land or something, they will accept that because of their presence there. And it becomes about an individual. So if it's so easy and you've had so much success, why don't you bring a camera next time? And while the seven of you are dancing, the person who's not could take a couple of good photographs. <laughs> there's a, there's a wonderful idea. Yeah. It, I mean, why didn't, why didn't we think of that? It never works. Every time you hear these stories, they never come to fruition. I've gone to one of these meetings at 2 a.m. in winter. In Brisbane, it's it's a subtropical climate, but in winter, it does get to about four or five degrees at night. To me, it was very uncomfortable when I could have been in my bed, but gone to to show my, lend my support, to show that I am interested and an investigator should investigate no matter how different the, the scenario is to what you believe in. So, I've done that. I've gotten out of my comfort zone. I've gone there only to find absolutely nothing happens all the time. And then they'll say, that's that's the only time nothing has ever happened. 
They always say that, you know, when a dog bites you, oh, it's never done that before. I don't believe you anymore, you know. <laughs> I go, sorry, but according to my research, that, that no longer is the case, that that system does not work. Then you get people that do this on a, on a the big name people that do it on a global scale. Well, where are the successes? Come on, there's so many of you that have done this. Uh, don't worry about a flashing light like a star. You'd want to get a little bit better value than that. So all these movements have been created around the world, distracting people from the basic type of research, talking to people. The onus is on certain individuals. And look, we all like the attention. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm sure that uh, people wouldn't say no to getting interviewed. Oh, a lot of would, a lot of them actually would say no. But I'm just saying uh, a lot of us do like the attention that we get from this. But it's controlling it and not m- making the subject yours. And I think that a lot of egos get in the way and they contribute nothing and just distract people. Add to that all the conspiracy theories that there are, that you can no longer say anything without five or six different theories breaking out based on nothing except a thought that came into someone's head or some misinformation that was printed. So I think that's hindering the, the real study. I, I would like to see the scientific community get more involved in, in UFO research. I think that um, uh, what will happen one day is that there will be disclosure and all us researchers will be in the front of the little picket line where the UFOs landed, waiting to meet, and all these scientists from behind pushing us out of the way, saying, hang on, out of the way, we're scientists. We believe in this stuff. You guys are nothing. <laughs> and, you know, and well, actually, no, it's been the other way around for 150 years, you know? Well, yeah, I kind of think we'll be irrelevant. That basically we will all be irrelevant, those of us who have investigated UFOs, done radio shows about the paranormal. Once it is accepted that yep. we have whatever answer we're going to have, and I won't try to prejudge. I'll be happy with that. I'll be happy okay. to say, I'll take a back seat. You're no longer wanted. Scientists have made contact with UFOs. We'll take it from here. I'll be happy with that. Okay. If we want more information about the things you do, can we check out a website? Just Google UFO Research Queensland or UFORQ, and that'll get you to our, our site. I'll tell you the rest of it, but you won't remember it. So UFORQ, um, that's the website of our research organisation. And like I say, we've been around since 1956. I think we're the second oldest group in the world, the Victorian group here in Australia, the state of Victoria, I think are the oldest, and having continuous meetings without having a break for all these years. <laughs> so, well, you certainly uh, sound a like heck of a lot better than MUFON, but we don't want to get into political here. We can oh. always reserve that for no. after the Paracast. Thank you. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, if we can even consider Twitter safe anymore after what's been happening in recent days. Look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast 2 groups or communities or whatever they call them over at Facebook. Also, we offer... Branded merchandise, four different logos of official Paracast branded merchandise. And you can find it all if you go to the Paracast.shop. And we hope you do shop once you look over the merchandise. We have the throw pillows and the T-shirts and all that good stuff, okay? That's the Paracast.shop. Also, Tino's going to join us on After the Paracast, our special premium show that is uncensored what kind of language will he use what kind of language will randall use you know what kind of language i use you've probably heard enough of it 
You can find out more about After the Paracast by checking out the Paracast.plus. It's the Paracast.plus. We offer the After the Paracast podcast, a special enhanced version of this show, free of the network ads. We have a special 40% sale to get you listening now. Check out the Paracast.plus. That's the Paracast.plus. Tino Pesamente, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. You're very welcome. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.